Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Welcome to 2024 and Brazen Education. Uh, we are back and this is episode 71. Um, so we are rocking and rolling. And if we progress in the way that we are progressing, we will probably hit episode 100 during 2024. So this year, I thought I would kick it off um, with uh, education because that's the center of our podcast. But I want to start with what some people may call an unusual topic, but the time is the right time. So today we're going to be talking about um, taking over a classroom. Um, during the school year, because that is something that many educators have found themselves um, dealing with, and they may need some tips, or they may be considering this, um, and we want to provide those tips. So um, myself, uh, Educator Vars, I have definitely taken over a classroom in the middle of the school year. I did it um, during year two. Um, in the classroom. And then our guest, Alice Stockton, uh, who is a first grade teacher, took over a classroom during uh, the school year, this school year. Um, and as many of you guys know, um, this is also uh, my younger sister. Um, so Alice, uh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I guess I want to get right into it. Uh, tell us about why you decided to become an educator. Well, I've well, I feel like it kind of runs in my blood. We have a lot of educators in our family. But I just, in general, I like teaching. I like teaching kids. Because I originally did not start off as a first grade teacher. Um, this is during my first job as a first grade, like in the school system, I would say. Because I worked with um, babies before. And even then, it was, I enjoyed the part of educating them, like teaching them how to do things. And like, seeing them catch on to it and just learn more and more. So can you tell everybody what uh, what uh, area you went to school in uh, to begin with? Oh yeah, so originally I went, so I'm, I'm a um, graduate from Indiana State University and I studied family and consumer science education. And majority of people have no clue what that is, unfortunately. Um, but it's basically it's somewhat home ec and some more, but it's I basically it's it's home ec and then you learn life skills and all that other kind of stuff. But I really went to school for that. But it took me a little longer than it normally should take to get my degree. And by the time I got my degree, there was no jobs in that field. So for the one I found, the one somebody that was more experienced, so I did not get that one. So for a bit, I taught for about five years actually i taught at daycare and then i became aware of this position and i applied and i got it so now i'm a first grade teacher well that is awesome so you took over a classroom if i have my uh, facts correct there were two um, other teachers in that classroom before you uh, came in and took over so could you walk us a little bit through what it was like coming in as teacher number three, um, and trying to uh, get these first graders to understand what Miss Stockton's classroom is going to be like. 
No, I mean, I would say it probably wasn't the easiest thing in the world. Uh, but even when I when I did my interview for the position, they told me that it was going to be a lot of onboards, like a lot of stuff you got to do, which I understood. But it was, I mean, it wasn't the easiest thing. But it's more like I can went to somebody else's classroom, even though it was my classroom at the time. Like once I got the job, whatever, it was my classroom. But it didn't feel like my classroom for like the longest time. It's like until recently, it felt like my class. It, it started to feel like my classroom. But when I first started, it was like I was in somebody else's classroom. Because again, there were two of the people teaching this class um, before I got the position. So it's like the kids were used to how the other two teachers taught and how they did things. I'm like, oh, so-and-so did, did it this way or so-and-so did it that way. I'm like, well, I'm not that person. I'm Miss Stockton, so Miss Stockton's going to do it this way. So that part was the hardest thing, trying to get them to understand, like, yeah, I'm, I'm the new teacher. I'm not going nowhere. We're going to have to get used to each other. But I see recently... Uh, we are, we've, we've been doing pretty good. They like, yeah, they, they get me, I get them. They know how I do things, but that's probably like the hardest thing. They was just used to other people. And I guess I'm kind of like the stability in the class now. Cause I'm like, I'm not going nowhere, but they switched. I feel like that's a lot of teachers for first graders to have in one semester. So it was like two different teachers in one semester. I started in October last year. So, I mean, it was, it, was, I mean, it was a lot for them, but they figured it out. We figured it out together. Well, that's a good point. So my second year, so many of you all know, I wrote an article during the pandemic. It was titled something like why this black teacher left Brownsburg Community School Corporation. So that was my first teaching job and I left. Uh, my next teaching job um, was um, at the Indiana Math and Science Academy. Um, so I went the 38th Street campus, and that was the first campus that opened. So that year that it opened, I came to that school in November of that school year. So in that in-between time, um, I spent some time working at a, a daycare, child daycare preschool facility up in uh, Carmel. That's what I was doing because it was just myself and my husband, so I didn't have to to work, um, but I did want to work because it, it get real boring real quick sitting at home. And so when mm -hmm. I came in November, they had had a teacher, that teacher quit, they had a different teacher, and then they had this person that they pull out of retirement who was like, look, <laughs> retirement is calling me, y'all need to go find somebody. <laughs> so when I came in, it was very clear that they are expecting you to quit. They have scared off everyone else they um, can be a little bit rowdy, but uh, come on, work at our school. And at this time, I said, you know what? Um, it can't be worse than Brownsburg. Um, and that was literally my mindset going into this um, charter school that was brand new, um, who class, and I took sixth grade English is what I uh, taught. And, mm -hmm. and to your point, oh, they were really trying some things because in the kids' mind, if you teach a number, whoever, Oh, you won't be here for a few weeks, a few months. So we're not even going to try to learn your rules because you're about to bounce. Yeah. So after they found out, like, oh, I think I think she might might be staying around. And so once that transition happened, then it was like trying to negotiate what things I would keep from the previous teacher and what things I would ditch. Um, one assignment she had them do, the older teacher who came out of retirement, mm -hmm. um, she had them do these current event assignments where they would have to go into the newspaper, go online, 
and then summarize a current event, do the who, what, when, where, and why, and then how is this, how is this article important or relevant? That was actually one activity for that pre-tutor that I kept until I left that school. Because that was A, not an activity I would have thought to do, and B, the kids really, really liked the activity. So I'm like, you know what? And most of the kids were turning this, it was a homework assignment. They had it every single Friday. You come back on Monday and bring your current event written up. And I was like, why rock the boat here? Um, it was an easy lift. But some of the other things I was trying to do, like, oh, we're going to write pa pa pages. <laughs> we're going to read stories. Uh, that's where I had uh, the, the hard um, time. So um, how has classroom management been? Because I think for any teacher, whether you're coming in after the start of the school year or, or you've been there since day one, classroom management can be a little uh, bit tricky. So how is that going? And, and what tips or suggestions do you have for people who might be sliding in after the, uh, the start day of school year? Now I would say um, it's going way better than it did um, when I first started. Again, I started in October. We've had um, Thanksgiving break and winter break, and now we're in the second semester. I say the second semester is definitely definitely going better. I've gotten tips from kind of a mentor teacher since I'm a brand new teacher here. I have a mentor teacher, so I've gotten some tips from her. And then my um, partner teacher, I talk to her sometimes. So I got tips for her. So I've gotten tips for different teachers, honestly, throughout the building. Well, or different things that tip. I can do. What are the tips? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm, I'm getting there. Okay, I'm getting there. Okay, okay. So the one thing that I never even thought to, like I heard other teachers do, but I never just didn't do, was the call and response. That's probably the the one thing that has helped me the most, like call and response. Like when you say something, then the kids respond reply back to you with whatever the response is. I started using that uh, at the beginning of this semester because I yell sometimes when I first started. I'm, I'm past that now. I mean, there's sometimes you may have to use your louder voice, but I try my best to avoid doing that. So I started using the call and response and like they caught on like so fast. I didn't know how, how they would take it. But they come so fast doing that. So it's easier to do that to get their attention when they get a little rowdy. Can they begin? I only have 13 kids in here, but I think it's one of the smaller classrooms. But they begin real a uh, little rowdy sometimes getting loud. I'm like, I don't like yelling over y'all. That literally hurts my voice doing that. So let's do this. And we got three call responses that we use. I may switch it up, add some more in there. But that's probably the one thing that has helped um helped a lot um with my class. And then I do have a couple well. Tell you one kid right oh, now. Oh, uh, hold on, Alice. For my non-teacher listeners, can you give us an example of a call and response because they may not actually know what that is? Yeah, I forgot that there's more than just educators listening to this. Mm -hmm. Um, so call and response like you say something and then the students say something back. So um, the main one that I use is I say one, two, three, eyes on me. And then the students say, one, two, three, eyes on you. And then at that point, they're supposed to stop talking and their eyes are supposed to be on you. Unfortunately, it doesn't always happen. So I normally try to say another one after that, which is one of my other ones. Holy moly. And then the students say, guacamole. That's our favorite one. But let me say one or two. Sometimes I've used all three because they still ain't figured out the teacher is talking. So I normally nor use all three sometimes, but that's 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 basically what um, a call and response is. You know, I heard one one time which 
to me gave away the fact that this person was a millennial. The teacher said, pop, lock it. And the kids said, drop it. And they were told to drop everything they were doing and be quiet. I was like, millennial. Because <laughs> all kids, well, depending on their parents, they may have heard that song. But uh, yeah. I've heard some really, really creative call. Oh, uh, yeah. There's a lot of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, if you need some call and responses, you can literally go on YouTube. There's, like, so many of them. Yes. Or also call and responses are also known as attention getters or attention signals. Yeah. They're also called that as well. So if you're listening and you are a teacher and regardless of whether you're coming in at the start of the school year or later in the school year and you're like, I need to get their attention. Because at the end of the day, when you're teaching, if you looking at the back of people's heads, they're not receiving information. So you got to get yeah. them the bodies, the eyes. The mouth closed, ears listening um, on you. So you got some attention signals, um, attention getters, and call and response. Uh, what else did your mentor and your fellow um, first grade uh, colleague, uh, what things did they share that you have found helpful so far? Um, what else did they share? Well, I know what my um, partner teacher did. I know sometimes when they're when her class is. Um, lining up, they kind some some her and like I think some of the other actually teachers do. I saw one teacher doing um, Simon Says, like while they're while they're in line before they go to like the next location, they doing a little bit of Simon Says, trying to get their attention that way, and then they move on out the classroom. Um, but um, one of the other things that I that I've gotten help with, I have one one student in my class that needs a little a little extra. Um, extra stuff to help him to do the right things in class. So I've had a lot of people help me with, with that student and we use a reward, a reward system. Um, once he gets all five of his little rewards, he gets the actual reward. So that kind of encourages him to do better. And while he's doing great, he's not preventing other people from doing other things that they shouldn't be doing. And then we have some of our kids take breaks when they need to, which also helps with the classroom management. And then I kind of just, and I rearranged, one of the other things that did help, uh, I rearranged my classroom, which I waited until probably like, I want to say it was the end of last semester or the beginning of the semester to set it up better. Cause my, when I first got to the classroom, they was in groups, like in like four, I think it was like three different groups in my classroom. But they were talking like nonstop, like everybody, even the ones that typically don't talk, was talking like nonstop. I'm like, yeah, this ain't working. I first start, I separated one group, then I separated another group. At one point, we only had one group left, and everybody else's death was just, it looked like a mess. But I set my classroom up a better way so I, I can actually walk around to everybody's desk. My teacher's table is right there in the middle, so I'm like in the middle of everything. So rearranging my classroom where it works for me helped as well because i left it in the group for so long because that's just how it was when i started here but it, it that wasn't working for me or my class yes yeah, so the other thing i'm really hearing you lift up is the import- importance of changing the physical space which sometimes can be hard because i can't remember how it went with my job but i applied for my job i got the job and shortly after i started the job so there really wasn't much time to go out and reorganize and also yeah. when you're starting after the start of school year all those little sales that we have over the summertime, those sales are not happening. So now yeah. I'm trying to get stuff. Or if the school gives budget, because some schools give kid, teachers, here's a $50 gift card to get supplies for your classroom. Well, they're not giving out those gift cards. And side note, 
if you are a school administrator and you are hiring someone after the start of the school year, uh, you want to make sure that whatever you gave to the teacher that started on day one, you give it to them. Because that's normally when I work with teachers in different schools, that's like the number one complaint I hear from teachers that start after the school year is that they heard <laughs> that all the teachers that started on day one got X, Y, and Z, and I came in. So I really needed these things, and mm -hmm. I didn't get uh, get these supplies. So I, I really want to lift up that we really have to onboard people much better. Actually, your onboarding after the start of school year should be twice as good as your onboarding at the beginning of the school year. And a lot of people fail to have those systems in place to think about what would this person need to come in and slide in and be successful. So to your point, I have my classroom. So if you don't know about IMSA, the 38th Street campus, that building used to be a Toys R Us store. Um, so my classroom had no windows. Um, so the first issue I had- Like I had none at all? None. Not not even fake, not even fake windows, not even windows. Cause I had one classroom where it wasn't like windows to outside, but it was windows to like a courtyard. So I was still seeing grass. Like that's that, my classroom. I got windows to the cafeteria, but I have no outside windows. Yeah, well, see, but at least you got a window you can look out. We couldn't look out at nothing. And the, the classroom was just so so drab. There wasn't really any decorations. And then they had those kids. Well, my one class packed in like sardines. So I could not even literally walk around the classroom. So I'm so I'm walking literally, I would walk up a row and walk back up that same row, come to the front, walk down a row, and walk back the same row because they had the, the desk going all the way to the back of the wall and all the way coming up to the front. So I couldn't even circulate around the whole perimeter. So I was like, nah, I gotta change some things. So I I kept messing around. So every day. We got new seats. Yeah, you got new seats again. You you're gonna live because I have to be able to walk this room because I wouldn't be able at any point in time to be able to stand in any place in my room and see what y'all doing. And mm -hmm. while I'm coming back up the aisle, y'all popping off and doing whatever because they already told me that y'all was doing some things. And there was all types of things that happening um at, at, as well, which we we can get into that a little bit later. But the other thing that you have to manage when you come into a school after starting school year, you have to manage the curriculum. Um, so what, what has that been like tackling? Because with first grade, you're doing reading, you're doing math, you're doing science, you're doing social studies, and you are working at a religious school. So there's also religion um, that is also taught um, in the elementary um, grades as well. So um, what, what have you done to try to like grasp the curriculum, get the curriculum and kind of implement it and do those lesson plans in your classroom? So I'll say when I first started, um, the it was actually the assistant director assistant principal assistant principal that was teaching this classroom so she was still in here teaching it even though i was technically the teacher in the classroom so i got to shadow to see how each um got to shadow her for it ended up only being i think like a week week and a half because one of our students wasn't handling it like at all having mm -hmm. a new teacher in here he's fine now he's great now um but i got to shadow um shadow her to see how each of the um, lessons went, like the reading, the, um, we do um, phonics, what's called OG. I Gordon cannot, Gillingham, uh, yes. the people who don't know the, know the system. It's a, a, it's a, a system it's for, phonics. Yeah. for phonics and it teaches it systematically. Yeah. So I got to, um, so I basically got to, it helped that I got to shadow the person that was teaching this classroom before to see how they did things when they were teaching the different curriculum. And then my um, mentor teacher was also um, a lot of help 
And then the lady that taught the other first grade class last year, she's not the first grade teacher. So this school, our school had two first grade, two new first grade teachers this year. I think we're rocking it right now. But we had two new first grade teachers. But the last first grade teacher, she also helped. Um, like we did this, we did this this way. You may try doing something like another way. So it was just it was helpful to have like other teachers that have taught these lessons to like give tips and stuff on how they did it. And then I kind of just took time to just like look through the different um, the different apps and stuff that we were using to kind of see oh this is there. Oh I should put that there or we use this. We, we don't need that. So yeah. It sounded like you're really saying like it's really kind of have to explore all the, the the material that is there because in most Basically. schools, whether it's a religious school, whether it's a public school, uh, there is some type of guidance <laughs> about the curriculum. And then then most schools have some flexibility in some of the things that you're able to do. But um, I always tell people, especially if you're if your first year teacher and or you're taking over after someone else that first year is not going to be perfect. You're not going to be able to do all the things because there's going to be lessons that you didn't teach. Um, and that's not to say that the people before you didn't teach those lessons well, but the students mm -hmm. are not even transitioning between we have the same curriculum, but someone else is teaching and they may do it in a different order or say it a different way or have us do, well, this teacher had us do everything in partners. And now it's like group work and independent work. So even th some of those changes and um, because the school I was at was brand spanking new the year I came there, um, I remember the process of like, we're getting literature books. Um, in the meanwhile, <laughs> good luck. Um, so we're trying to figure out what to teach. So I used um, uh, Lit2Go. So if you Google L-I-T, the number two and G-O, um, it's a resource uh, where you can find classic um, literature that's in the free the, the public domain. But additionally, um, it l plays the audio for you. Um, I would say it's probably geared. Well, there are some different things in there, so I won't. I won't say that. But um, that's where I got a Christmas Carol because the budget was like zero. Um, so mm -hmm. I went to the printer and I printed off the whole book of Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I took my own money, bought little folders. I put three whole punch folders of different chapters in there. Uh -huh. And I had it for the kids. I let them mark it up and everything because I'm like, we're going to read a whole book. Because at this point in time, they're like, book? From the back? The whole thing? I said, yes, we're going to read this in sixth grade. Um, and so I had to really figure out, like, how am I going to incorporate these novels versus me coming from Brownsburg, where there was mm -hmm. literally a room I would go into. And I, I'm not joking. It was just shelves of shelves of shelves of shelves of novel sets. So I had to pick. And now Brownsburg was a little strict on the fact that you couldn't pick a novel that was not on your grade level list. So, uh -huh. but there were so many things to choose from. So I didn't have to worry about getting the book that I was going to teach. I just opened the, go to the room and be like, oh, I want this one. Let me check this out for X amount of weeks. And so even having to figure out those things and figure out how do I want to teach the vocabulary? What do I want to do when? And you know, at first I'm like, don't write in the folders. Then I was like, I copy this on the copy machine. Y'all can write in it. So like even that, I changed it halfway through because um and also i stuck with what i knew um charles dickens a christmas carol is one of my favorites um books is in my top 10 um and my top 10 is not all old dead white guys before if you haven't been following me you know that but i do love me some charles dickens except when he be doing the most with all his extra descriptions but this particular story i think is a good classic text have you only seen the movie you need to read a book but there are some words 
in there. Um, that can be challenging for anyone um, uh, who hasn't been keeping up on their vocabulary. So I wanted to make sure the kids really had an understanding um, of that. And then there was just all these, the school has so many things. You know, it was a math and science academy. So there's all these other things that you were supposed to do as well. So mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm going to do the best I can uh, with what I got. And what doesn't happen, um, it doesn't uh, happen. So what some people don't know is that you and I will be um, co-presenting um, at the Teach Indie um, Educator Conference um, during, I'm actually, I'm sharing this literacy presentation. Um, it's a little bit modified, but this literacy presentation, I'm talking about classroom libraries. Um, and so I'm like, I need to tag in Alice because one of the things that we ended up doing with our classroom was going through the books in our classroom. So you want to talk a little bit about how I ended up, I don't want to say roped in, that's not the right word, but how you uh, needed me to come, like what happened? Tell them what happened. That's what I'm trying to say. What happened? Explain it to them. <laughs> so my, my lovely sister volunteered to help me go. So since it was somebody else's classroom, and there's been a, a even like years before, there's been other teachers in this class. There just was so much stuff. And there's still a lot of stuff behind the, in these cabinets that I need to go through because I just haven't made time to do that. But there was like a lot of stuff that needed to be um, gone through and needed to be thrown away. So my sister volunteered to help me. <laughs> so one weekend we came up here and we went through a lot of, a good majority of the books and, um, it honestly, it was really Shantae that was going through those books. I was going through the other stuff. And she was organizing. <laughs> she was going through, like, got rid of some books that were just old and raggedy. And then um, kept the books that, one, kind of went with my class. Because I have a mixture. I have this majority of Latina. We got a few um, Caucasian, a few um, um, Black students in here. But we had we had some, we kept some books that kind of, like, basically looked like them in the books. It wasn't just all uh, white folks in our books. So we have a, she kept some of those books and then we organized them. I still need to put the labels up, um, but um, we organized them. We got a science center, like the animal books over there. Then over here on, um, I'm actually looking, I'm in my classroom right now. So I'm looking at the books. Um, <laughs> so I got the library, the um, science books over there. Then over here is like, we had like princess books. So it's like split in different sections, basically. Um, so it kind of makes it easier for the students. Since I don't have the labels, I don't think they know what really what's in each container. So I may need to reorganize it a little again. But we kind of just um, put it, made it a little bit more organized. So when I go through the other books, I can just stick them into where they need to go. I still got yeah. a lot of other books that I need to go through. And not to give away everything that we're going to talk about, because obviously you should register. And side note, uh, today is January 31st, 2024, and registration for the Teach Any Conference is $20 to the end of today. Starting tomorrow, it will be 30 bucks. So if you want to register, do so. And also they have registration through your school um, as well. So your principal may pay for it. Um, but one of the things that was important, so I was a school librarian at one point in my career. And one of the hardest things for people to see happen is people to take books and throw them away. It is like you have taken a match and lit down a forest. People are just like clutching pearls and gasping. And when I was a school librarian, I pulled a report. I'm like, so literally these books on the table that are literally covered in dust and unidentified substances. And I mean that as a librarian, I stayed sick. My hands were always gross. 
people sending back books that are wet, stained, nasty, disgusting. But these books that have pulled out to get rid of, they had not been checked out by anybody in decades. Decades. And I have people up there talking about the librarian is just throwing away books and she don't care about our kids. She she trying. I, I mean, see, at this point in time, people weren't throwing around the word indoctrination, but they were essentially saying, oh, she just trying to put in these diverse books and these multicultural books and getting way of the classics. I'm like, but you ain't even reading the classics because they on the shelf collecting dust. And I don't know if you ever seen a book that's covered in dust. The book actually becomes damaged. So do you want to save this book where someone's going to open it and get all types of stuff up in their sinuses? No. Um, so when I was in Alice's classroom, uh, one thing that's very important to me, because the school Alice works at, um, is uh, majority, uh, um, the majority of kids there are um, Latino. Um, so you have, and you have a significant population of black students as well. There's, it really makes me angry when people think it's okay for, uh, certain kids, um, for certain walks of life to have trashy books. So my very first thing when I come to looking through books is the book looks disgusting. It goes in the trash point blank period. If it's bent up, tore up, taped up, stains, unidentified substances, trash. So the first thing I did was got rid of anything that just didn't look good. Because when I get a kid in the book, I want them to be like, ooh, Mrs. Barnes, that book is shiny. It smells nice. It looks nice. I, you, I didn't get some secondhand book that someone passed down. And there's nothing wrong with gently loved books. I'm not shutting that down. But I go into too many schools where the majority of kids are Black and Latinos and their books are trash. And I have a huge problem with that. So then the next thing I did, like who was in Alice's classroom? Because it also matters for the white students. They should see positive images of people who are not white, um, vice versa. And so I went through and I started categorizing um, the books and then trying to have a decent amount of each type of category. And that's kind of how we went through the process. But I'm going to say the rest um, for our presentation because this is not a literacy um, box. But if you listen to this podcast long enough, you know I, I will slide literacy into almost every single conversation. But you shouldn't be afraid to move your space. So if you are taking over a classroom at the start of the year, not only not be afraid to move your space, but move it as many times as you need uh, to make it right and change it. And students gonna say stuff. Um, it's okay for them to say stuff and also listen to their feedback and not like listen to their feedback to do what they to say every time they say it, but asking they're like, oh, when you move this, it makes it harder for me to get to this, you know, like reasonable mm. uh, feedback. Because um, sometimes little people, they got all types of ideas. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and yesterday you said something uh, uh, to totally different. So one of the things that people may be wondering, um, because this happens a lot, um, when you're a teacher, you can go in and teach something that you weren't originally licensed in. And so can you tell them a little bit about the process you're currently going uh, through to become like an officially certified first grade teacher? Yeah. So, um like I mentioned before, I do actually have a teaching license, it, although it's, it's, it's expired. Um, but my teaching license was for uh, middle school and high school, which honestly, I, it never got used. It expired. So, but since I have that teaching license, I was able to get an emergency um, teaching license, which is what I currently have so that I can teach here. But of course, I still need to get my elementary education license. So I'm in the, I'm filling out my application um, 
current, not, not current, like this moment, but current, I'm working on my application um, to go to um, Marion University for their transition to teach program uh, so that I can get my um, license for elementary education. Well, it will be a pre-K to third grade, I think is what it is. Which I guess is considered um, early childhood education. But I'm currently teaching with an emergency, emergency teaching license, which I think lasts for three years, because you can renew it every year. So, but the transition to teach program is, I think the um, uh, man that I've spoken to said it was like 18 months. I should be able to get that finished and get my elementary education license. Cause I'm working at a Catholic school, you still got to have your teaching license and all that kind of thing. So I'm in the process of um, starting that up. So at 38, I'm going back to school. To and get that there's done. nothing wrong with that. And the reason I mentioned that is because I come across so many people who are like, I have this license, I have this teaching license, but I haven't been able to find a job in this teaching license, but I know I'm called to teach, I wanna teach. And this is actually a way because like the school gets what they want and you get what you want. They get someone, because when you get a teaching license, regardless of what it's in, there are some common things that we all get in education. We get some idea about like best practices to deal with children, right? So even if it's mm -hmm. family consumer science, you did some type of classes about how to interact with children, how kids learn. You have some of that. So when you do these transition to teaching programs or these shorter programs, you're really just focusing on that content of that licensing area versus all this other stuff that you've already done. And so I tell people, um, a lot of schools will even help um, uh, you financially with going back because now they got you, um, they know you have a license in something, you have an emergency mm -hmm. permit that lets you teach, and then you get, get through this program. And most people, I mean, set up so you were finished before your you would need to before your emergency permit um, um, is done. And so, yeah. a lot of times, people they don't want to start after the, the start of the school year, but there's less competition. That's the other thing I tell people when I'm I coach a lot of younger people who are trying to break into the profession and they put their name in the hat every March because, like, right now. Almost every school district, <laughs> I've seen Avon, I've seen Lawrence, I've seen Warren um, Township. They're like, we're about to have a job fair. Um, it's happening now. Like, if you wait until summertime, it, it may be too late. And so sometimes uh -huh. people miss their window um, as well. But I said, if you've done, done the thing around spring break time, you've done it through summer and you haven't gotten a job, like, one of the things that you can do is start the apply to openings during the school year because there's typically less competition. Uh, and also I tell people, you may not have gotten picked. It had nothing to do with your qualifications because I've been a school administrator and I'm telling you, I would always go to the slush pile. And what that means is the system is set up to bounce applications. So some people never get called because something with their application bounced them. Um, and two, so I had to get a filter change on mine because I had my application set up for my the departments I was over as administrator, but you had to have a teaching license. But what the uh -huh. system was doing was bouncing people who had just graduated from college who were waiting on their teaching license, like they were about to get it. So their applications were getting bounced. Um, and so 
I, I tell people it could be something that's unbeknownst to you or even the person that's accepting the applications. And I didn't set the parameters on my application system. HR did that. Um, so I had some controls. I was able to go in and do things. So I always tell people just because someone starts after this, after the start of school year doesn't mean that they're less confident or less capable than you. Uh, it's all about finding the best fit regardless of what it is um, and, and when you when you connect. So, so Alice, for those people that are out there that are like, you know what, I think I might want to start after the start of the school year. What, what are some things if you could go back in time and talk to Alice and say, hey, you should do this. What are some things you wish you would have told your, wish you would have done based on your experience um, so far from October through the end of January. Um, and I honestly, I think if I had the option, I would start at the beginning of the school year, just because I think you should. I, <laughs> I know that's not like an in-depth answer, but if I if I had known, I would have applied sooner so that I could start at the beginning of the school year with um my students but that didn't happen which is fine but if i had known i would have told myself like come in ready to like with like classroom management um tips like stuff that i want to do for come in knowing that this is my classroom i'm going to do this with my class i want to set my classroom up this way but um i probably told myself that and just have the confidence, be ready to take over the class. Let them know that, hi, I'm your new teacher. We're we're gonna take care of the rest of the school year together. Like just give myself more confidence and stuff. No, I like what you said, like coming in there like this is mine. Yeah. Like, this is my classroom because I because I even had that. I'm like, I am taking over from. And even how I talk to my students, I'm like, well, I know you have Miss So-and-so, but I'm taking over from her. And then yeah. it really took me to the end of the classroom. I'm like, this is Mrs. Barnes' room. This is yeah. my English class. These are our classroom agreements. Because, I mean, we was in there. And transparently, my first year there, I had a kid chuck a literature book at me. Luckily, it missed me, but it went right by my ear. I was like, oh, oh, you're body body right now. Oh. Be knocking and bucking, okay. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. So, um, we're gonna have to get, I'm gonna have to gather you. I'm gonna have to, uh, kind of stand in this right now because we, 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 we losing our mind right now. We throwing, and have you ever seen a literature book? They like, they fat, <laughs> and I'm talking about P H A T fat, <laughs> like gone past you. Um, so for me, to your point, even though I when I like exited being a classroom teacher, I was known as having very good classroom management. Mm -hmm. I feel like people who have good classroom management is because they had to fight and claw their way out of some situations that they didn't manage as well as they could have managed. And so uh -huh. that um, that particular student, because I can see that kid's face right now, I did not have classroom management for kids who escalated. You know, I didn't have any strategies. My strategy was like, I'm just going to pretend that you're not doing what you're doing. Yeah. There is and that doesn't and always place. work because they'll keep doing it. So you have to do something. Well, there's a time and place to ignore children because some children um, strive for negative attention. So that is the thing. Oh, yeah. But, but when children, the children who tend to escalate to violent acts, 
you can ignore um, the behaviors that lead up to the violence. And I didn't have tools for that. Um, but after my glasses almost got taken out, because I was like, because I just thought about it. I was talking, I was talking to one of my colleagues. I said, y'all know I'm, I, I cannot see without my glasses. I wasn't even gonna be able to drive home with that book when they clocked me in my face, because that's what the kid was aiming for. So I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> I had to have a come to Jesus uh, talk with myself. I was like, oh no, we we not we not doing that. No, 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 we not doing that. Um, the, the student did get suspended um, by school administration um, because I, people always wonder in these stories, like what happened and not that I'm promoting student suspension, but- um, I mean, in that case, I mean, something had to be done. Yeah, well, there are schools where teachers are getting hurt and assaulted and they getting, as they say, a lollipop and coming back to class. Um, so- oh, I know, not to interrupt you, Kyle's, um, I want to say it's called Board Teachers. It's on Facebook and oh, yeah, they share- and yeah. this, uh, she was sharing about this one lady, like literally got injured, and her school administrator would not let her go to the hospital. They sent this the student who caused it to the hospital, but they wouldn't allow her to go to the hospital. Made her stay at the school. I mean, she doesn't work there no more, which is great. But yeah, so yeah, I've heard about stuff like that on Facebook. Yeah. So I was grateful that my school took uh, that those type of actions seriously, and that kid was able to be a, become a successful student when I became more successful at classroom management. So mm -hmm. to Alice's point, uh, so to recap some of the points as we're coming here to a close, you know, uh, it's not going to be perfect, and that's okay. Have a plan for classroom management. Uh, if you can, get any curriculum tips, lesson plans are already done. If there's people in the building that's already taught the lessons, talk to them, lean on your mentor teacher, lean on anybody else that's in your grade level or content area if you're secondary, um, who's already done what you have done um, and uh, work with them uh, to help to help you out. And then um, also um, believe in yourself, believe that you were destined to be there at that particular time. And also keep in the back of your mind, like next school year, <laughs> I won't be here day one. <laughs> and so I already know uh, what to no, do. I'm so already looking forward to the next school year. Like I already know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this lesson then. Like, see, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> well, Al, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up uh, today? Um, no, just thanks for having me, sis. Yes, um, and Alice has made a um, um, few appearances uh, on uh, many things that I've done. So she will probably uh, uh, be back. But if you want to see us again um, and you're here local in Indianapolis or the greater central Indiana area, as we call it, uh, and you want to come to the Teach Indy um, conference, this um, Google Teach Indy, um, go to Educator Conference, um, register, register today for 20 bucks um, or after today for $30, um, there is a lunch and I think some snacks for breakfast as well. You get five mm -hmm. professional growth points. So if you're looking to renew your license, you get a certificate um, for that. Oh, and a keynote speaker is Sharif El-Mekki, who is the director, founder, CEO of the Center for Black Educator Development. Um, he's an awesome person. He's also a gardener and an avid reader and a beekeeper. So he's just all oh, around. I didn't meet this person. <laughs> Yeah, I, we, I will definitely be doing a direct uh, introduction because he's into like all the things that we are into. So yeah. uh, please know you will I you, you will meet him. I will make sure that happens. So anyway, uh, we can talk more about that later. But uh, if you want to see us again and then, of course, I'll probably have Alice on again because every time she's been on, it's actually been for a different topic. Um, so we have tons of things. And because I'm your favorite sister. Lord Jesus. You know what? <laughs> so we will 
uh, <laughs> I will pull you back at some point in time. Um, and um, I will be back um, on one of these Wednesdays because I'm raising education. I'm trying to stick to Wednesdays. I started that in 2023, continue that in 2024. The time on Wednesday will vary depending on the availability of my wonderful guests. Um, but I will see you soon. <laughs>